Crackers! Something more cheerful. Oh, welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher, and we got Professor John Fisher on the program. How's it going? And he's waving. And so there might be feedback because we're not using headphones, but I tested it out and I think we could get this going where we could hear it, but you can't and we don't need headphones. But if that's a problem, yeah, Idol Killer says marching bands. Am I right? Yeah, that, <laughs> that Caesar famously, when he crossed the Rhine River to to invade uh, Rome and become the first emperor, uh, played marching band music from high schools. And that's... Uh, <laughs> he famously crossed the Rhine to get there. The Rhine. Uh, he crossed the... <laughs> Rubicon. Rubicon. There we go. <laughs> One of those. Oh, we haven't been playing the, the video yet. So let's see here. Uh, today we got Tim Stratton, and he's, he's a Molinist, and we got Tyson James, famous for Tyson Chicken. And so that's probably his namesake. So we're going to see what they, I, I watched like part of this and it's like five minutes of them doing intros. Like, how was your day? Well, I was mowing the lawn the other day and I was cutting grass and guess what? I had to um, fill the gas up twice. I'm like, what are you talking? What? Too much small talk. And so we're skipping forward um, six minutes. We'll assume six minutes uh, stops all their small talk and uh, we'll just get right into it. So uh, this is about Molinism. This is about a response to the debate with James White between James White and William Lane Craig on whether Molinism or Calvinism explains God and evil better. Remember, and James White uh, showed up to a debate. He didn't want the debate to actually be about that, so he just talked about other stuff. Didn't want to talk about that. And so um, these guys are Molinists, and they're responding to something that James White does something like that maybe one of the james white uh, coping videos remember james white put out a video he, he recorded the debate then he realized the debate's gonna look really really bad for him and so then he put out a coping video to try to prime his audience for the letdown and to say he really won and so i think this has some or or that then he did another video maybe did another response to these guys so we'll see what he says no you know propositions in which god does not know if they're true or false prior to the divine decree again molinists and calvinists all agree that there's a divine decree oftentimes uh, white will speak as if the molinist doesn't affirm the decree but we're all about the decree um but anyway i want to point out here that although perhaps not identical white's view seems to be awfully close to open theism. Um, oh, what no. What? <laughs> Tyson, you and I were talking about this earlier, and, and you'd mentioned that White differs from the open theist and that he thinks that all true propositions are created uh, by God, though White still hasn't really clarified what that means. But open theists uh, claim that in making choices, uh, creatures resolve might uh -oh. counterfactual. We're gonna have to figure uh, that out. This Maybe gets a little we move bit this technical. Closer. We're talking about might 
counterfactuals, not just could and would <laughs> and will, but these might counterfactuals. So, right. So that, that would be something like, uh, I don't know. He says it's better. If were to create mm -hmm. Peter in first century Palestine, he might deny Christ and he might mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So Tim Stratton, uh, my funny story, I need to go actually find my video that I sent him. I recorded it on my phone and sent it. Um, I was pulled into this uh, debate chat, like Chris Featherstone was looking for an open theist to debate Tim Stratton, and I get pulled in there, and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll defend Molinism, and you defend neo-Molinism. And so my video response was like, um, I'm not really an advocate of neo-Molinism. I don't think that there's any properties of God that are forced to be part of who God is, right? And so I don't think it's like there's going to be like some metaphysical formula for God's knowledge. Oh, God must know all true propositions and then all possible propositions. Nothing like that. I don't think any of those things are like reality. And so I think Tim Stratton uh, sent Chris Featherstone a private message like, I'm not going to debate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he, really, he really wants to debate systems. He doesn't want to debate the Bible. He doesn't want to defend <clears throat> why his theology is intuitive why it uh, reflects reality he just he has a system uh dignum dio perfect being theology and he just wants to debate other perfect being theology type of people to say hey my perfect being theology is better than your perfect being theology and therefore mine is true it's it's really crazy and i was pointing out to someone the other day if perfect being theology whatever the most perfect being is that's the true god if perfect being theology was actually an aspect of reality you wouldn't have like a hundred different people all all vying for their their different definitions and and uh, how that operates, right? Because there should be some sort of intuitive hierarchy or something that pushes us in the direction of truth, rather than well, my God wears three hats. Well, my God wears four hats. Whoever's God wears the most hats is, is the best God. If that follows, actually, not okay. sure I agree with that point. Okay, you wouldn't have hundreds of highly trained scholars in the field. I mean, I mean, it's like saying that you have a bunch of different religions, and if one religion was true, then obviously uh, everyone would, would gravitate towards the correct religion. Well, let's say you're having a debate on which number's the biggest. You wouldn't have like a hundred different people, right? You, you do have debates like that, though, don't you? Well, you do like infinity to the infinity or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, there should be something, 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 some consensus yes. over the framework. So if you have one guy saying this number is the highest, and this guy saying, "Okay, let's do some mathematics and see this number is actually the highest," the other guy should be like, "Oh, yeah." It shouldn't be like subjective, right? You should have a common ground rules. <laughs> I mean, it seems like your um, these guys their common ground rule is you must debate dignum dio. <laughs> yeah. That is their argument. Like there must be something that makes God God, right? All right. Uh, we we say that God knows he would or would not, um, and then once he creates, knows that he will or will not. Uh, but we say that this. Preach the word says. When I saw Tyson James on your title, I thought it meant the artist that sings with Bryson Gray. I don't know any of these names. <laughs> so. Um, still freedom permitting circumstances. Anything you'd add to that? No, that's, that's okay. pretty much it. Okay, cool. Now, uh, for Dr. White, there are no unactualized 
might counterfactuals because all propositions have a truth value as a result of God's creation. So my dad pointed out that these guys really love to call each other doctors. Like Dr. White is like, oh, do you, do you fix uh, bones? Oh, you got some sort of degree somewhere from something. And uh, we talked last time about, <clears throat> about how useless degrees are. It just shows you how much time you put towards something. You just put in the legwork. You didn't actually, you're not required to actually know things. Yeah, and there, there's no, there's not a good common standard for like everyone knows the details about the same things necessarily. Th those rules have gone out the window. Basically, curriculum is non-standardized, and it just says that you put in this amount of time, but you could, if you had a profession, put this amount of time in a certain subject as well, and still come up with the same similar amount of knowledge. Yeah, I had a subordinate going through a master's program, and he was talking about all these these people who are barely thinking rational people getting their master's degrees in his master's programs. They can't put together two coherent sentences. They're just giving money to an institution and spending the requisite amount of time and then just getting the degree. That, that's what this these is, degrees are. This is why this concept of imposter syndrome is so funny because like <laughs> these people really are imposters. And their, their response to people who feel like they're imposters after going through the curriculum and realizing they still know nothing, the response people say is, just fake it till you make it. Because <laughs> otherwise it would invalidate the whole credentialism of yeah. the thing. So James White, I don't know if you know this. Uh, when I, I, he was responding to one of my videos in which I talked about my dad knowing Hebrew. He's like, I don't think his dad knows Hebrew. <laughs> like he knew like nothing about my dad. <laughs> and my dad who studied at uh, Jerusalem University, uh, taking Hebrew, learning Hebrew in Israel, passing for an Israelite in Israel. Apparently my dad knows nothing about Hebrew and my dad doesn't have a PhD. No, mm -hmm. but he is a passing Israelite who's a Norwegian white guy with 0% Jewishness in him. Passing, passing Israelite. So while white's view is different from the open theism commonly advanced. <laughs> James White's today, is sort of white's like a discount doctor Randy writes. With open theism on rejecting God's knowledge of how a free creature within God's power to create would freely choose if God were to create the agent. And think about this. If, if white is right, it seems that it's impossible for God to possess middle knowledge. Well, okay, I, I guess on, on white's view, God can causally determine the truth that God possesses what's impossible to know. Is that right, Tyson? Do you think that that's right? I mean, he hasn't really, you know, uh, given clarification on that. That's something that we asked him directly, yeah. and I don't know if he's uh, addressed that yet. I don't think he has. Don't, no, I don't think he has. So anyway, uh, that's a very odd uh, an extreme and radical philosophical assumption that White is bringing to, to the table and imposing upon Scripture. Um, but anyway, let's, although White seems to be inconsistent uh, at times, um, so let's assume that middle knowledge is impossible for God to possess as white seems to want to affirm. But if that's the case, then if God possesses the power to create a free creature, a libertarian free creature, you know, if the potter has the freedom to do so, and, and white's been clear that he believes that God has libertarian freedom, that God can, can do that. That would be very interesting. White doesn't well, then, think that, does he? Look, this, I don't think he does. Yeah. I don't think that... I don't think James White thinks that God can change the future 
or as Will Duffy puts it, add one rain drop to one future rainstorm. I don't think White has, believes that about God. And so that I, the Molinists don't believe that either. God cannot change what God knows will happen in the future. And they'll make all these little caveats when you point that out. They'll be like, well, why would he want to? It's like, can he do it? Can God change what God knows will happen? Because will has a definition. Um, that means that things going to happen. God knows the future. And, and in that way, Molinism says, oh, God can uh, uh, create all these events throughout history and know what's going to happen and guide things on the right path because he knows what will happen. Right. If those things won't will happen, then it's it's a useless thing for God to have. I don't know if that makes too much sense. But so in Molinism, God, God apparently can make free creatures who are self-actualizing for their decisions, but God can know what decisions these free creatures are going to make eternity in the past before these decisions ever happen. And so, uh, again, th there's there's some massive problems with this. Uh, if, th if they're using a definition of free will, where the creature is the one who's generating these actions, generating these free decisions, then how can those free decisions be known eternity before these creatures ever exist? It, it doesn't make sense that they're the ones who are actually generating these options. Instead, it makes more sense that they're input-output robots that God knows the series of inputs that go into them, and they're like a coding machine, like a computer. You could push some data into a machine. It's going to pump some data out, depending on what data you put in. Yeah, it just seems like they're desperate to say God can never be surprised. But, mm -hmm. but uh, like, never be surprised has impl serious implications about what freedom actually means. Right. So one, one of the problems with Molinism is the, uh, the the hand shifting. They want you to look at the left hand, where in the right hand they got uh, some assumption that, that they don't want you to look at. So if they're defining free will as the creature is actually the one generating it, this is in the William Lane Craig, uh, James White debate as well, where William Lane Craig was denying truth makers. Truths don't have to have truth makers. Well, the problem there is that if you're affirming a standard of free will in which creatures are the truth makers of their own actions, then those truths should have some sort of truth maker. Uh, William Lane Craig is saying the actions that uh, agents take can be independent of those agents and known to God because truths don't have to have truth makers. You know what a truth maker is? <laughs> like, like something that leads to a truth of a value? This means that open theism is true in some possible worlds. And then that's going to be a problem for White because how does he know that the actual world is not the possible open theist world? Okay, so this is a really bad argument. This argument is if God could have made an open theistic world, then White can't tell us for sure that this world isn't the open theistic world. It's like, okay, it's possible that we could all be in the matrix. So we can't say that we're not in the matrix, like hooked up to machines. And I, I mean, you, you should ask, because there's, there's a lot of people where you tell them, you know, the matrix is one possibility for existence and they vehemently deny it on basis of this philosophy. So I, I'm a little bit curious whether or not he would actually accept that as a, as a real 
realistic probability. He might even say because God has to exist in some form, the Matrix can't be real. Right. So I would still be very curious to see James White affirming any sort of libertarian free will or just free will in God. So a lot of his arguments are following from a a misunderstanding of White in the first place, right? Oh, maybe. I I wish he had like a clip of James White saying these things that they're that they're ascribing to him. Uh, that, that's it's very speculative. I don't think James White thinks that God could actualize a world in which open theism is true. I, I don't think that's a possibility for James White. Uh, here's the point. That and, and that's because of who God is, right? Yeah, because of who God is. So <laughs> <laughs> I posted on Tim Stratton's uh, Molinus page. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes people on Twitter, they just write like a concept like, uh, stealing candy from a baby or something like just like a like a concept that people could relate to and then i i just wrote on his page i didn't get any any interaction i said an incel who's an incel in all possible worlds <laughs> <laughs> well i said a molinist incel who's an incel in all <sighs> possible worlds so an incel is someone who's involuntarily celibate yeah and so that's just a really sad concept and uh, no interaction, zero interaction, but I thought it was pretty funny. Tell me what you think, Tyson. According to James White, open theism is possibly true, but on the Molinist view, open theism worlds are just as impossible as atheist worlds. Do you think you think I'm on anything there? Sorry, uh, my, my Wi-Fi has been acting up a little bit, so you glitched out, so can you just repeat that last part? Yeah, okay. I think that according to what White is arguing, open theism is at least possibly true. So God could create a free creature. So they don't, I don't think they have a quote of it. Free yeah. Do uh, what, what does he mean by Molinist? So White saying that the Molinist view ensures that, that so atheism would, can't be true. What's his argument? Is uh, this is clearly a, a argument that God must exist because Molinism is true? Is so um, in Molinism, God cannot not be God. So God's a necessary being, and so God must exist in all possible worlds. Why, why is he a necessary being? <laughs> Because it's in the definition of God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's why. That, that is why. Let's say that that's not what he would claim. What, what you would explain that, okay. that open theism is not possibly true, but that's what his view implies, his universal possible. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so I'll just make that distinction. And, and it, Yeah, so if, he, if he's going to claim that God has the power to create a being who has the opportunity to exercise an ability to choose between a, a range. Of- okay, here we go. James White couldn't even answer the question, <clears throat> could Jesus have prayed to God to bring 12 legions of angels? And so I think that's coming from the James White-Bob Enyart debate where James White didn't want to answer that question because it's actually using a biblical example. When you mm-hmm. give allusions or questions or examples to show how someone's views are are inconsistent or absurd. Um, you don't have to use biblical examples, but using biblical examples makes it really funny because, um, yeah, Jesus actually did say that he could have prayed to God to bring down twelve legions of angels. That was a possibility, and uh, in Calvinism, that's not a possibility. God can't change the future. Even in Molinism, God can't change the future. Molinism is determinism with an extra step. Even God cannot change what he knows will happen. Because in their definition, God knows what will happen. God can't change that or else that thing will not happen. That's not something that will happen. 
and so uh, both Molinism and and in well, they, they could claim it categorically. But, but, but they could they're say, they're going to semantically get around that Molinism, though. Aren't yeah, they, they are. They're, they're going they, to say they're going to say yes, but it actually will never happen. But that could have happened. Yeah, they so say they'll, say, they'll yes. say that was one of the worlds God could have actualized, but it was not true in the moment where Jesus prays it that God could do this. That would have had have to be true from eternity past, not an in the moment thing. So uh, Psalms. 118 says, are you doing anything on Smokey? Well, send me suggestions. Sounds good. That's that's the crazy guy. And apparently he's a pedophile. There's a lot of people trying to post comments like, this guy was arrested for pedophilia in California. And then YouTube keeps deleting those comments. And so probably not a good dude. Probably a pretty bad dude. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look into it. Of alternative options, each of which are compatible with the creature's image of God nature. Um, uh, a, a creature who can make a choice that's described in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You know, if God has the power to create that kind of a creature, but God cannot know what that creature would freely do, um, then it seems to me that we got something awfully close to open theism, at least that it's possible for God to create an open theist kind of world. But I'm saying this. Like, as yeah, it still sounds like he has no idea what James White thinks. Like every, every, this whole train of thought is based off of some speculation, right? It'd be nice to have but, quotes but or I, interaction. I, I'm certain James White would not agree with his premises, and then he's trying to follow to certain conclusions. So, what is he doing? Um, he's he's making two hours of content. World. Yeah, it almost seems that. like this part's an irrelevant part because he's just talking to nothing about no one. He's just making up things. Hypothetically, Tyson. James White thinks open could be true. Ha, gotcha! <laughs> Tyson. Yep, sorry. I'm here. <laughs> Would you all right? Tell me if you, tell me if you get this. So let's talk about the obnoxiousness of putting a little Star Wars memorabilia wearing a Star Wars. Christmas church and then the James White debate he had like a TARDIS thing in the background oh they're just they're just screaming to the world I'm a man child the uh -huh. Molinist would can you hear me yeah okay the Molinist would claim that an open theist actual or an open theist world is just as impossible as an atheist world what? Because we would believe that God, right? He's, he's just on the same point he was making before. Knowledge, he's got. He's necessarily it seems like his friend isn't like, even paying right, attention. Yeah. His friend because got bored. Knowledge <laughs> is something that God has descended. Right, he can't not have middle knowledge because he can't not have the power to he's create. Like, what was the question creatures. again? Let me come up with an and answer. So, <laughs> if he has this middle knowledge, essentially, um, then. I guess the open theist could say, well, God could choose not to use that knowledge uh, in mm. creation, in the creative decree. But then that leaves open whether or not God can providentially plan history. And I think it would be a, um, a less than maximally great being that would um, choose 
to not have sovereignty over the whole of history in that yeah, way. I, I think yeah. a less than maximum great green would choose that. <laughs> that's, that's not what I would think would be the greatest of all possibilities. He'd be wearing five hats when he does it, because five hats is greater than two hats. Five okay. hats is the perfect number. Robert points out, it's a warp drive back there. It's it's just, I thought it was like a TARDIS thing. Like James a TARDIS. He has a warp drive in the back of his set. Mm -hmm. Thanks, James White. Thanks, James White. Um, move the balance against it. Um, and so I think there are, there are good reasons to think that uh, the open theist position is not tenable theologically. Yeah, yeah I agree. On I the agree. basis of the five hats, it's Well, untenable. you know, speaking of open theism, I've previously argued that White's arguments, if sound, would not only debunk... You haven't actually Mullins. directly debated this guy, right? I have debated this guy. Uh, this guy was awful. Um, he said that <laughs> here's my story uh, i was debating him i got him to say things like god knows things in unfalsifiable ways and then on this other page i was talking to some guy about uh, he's like having problems with molness he's like i don't understand it uh these guys believe that god knows all future truths but they think things aren't determined i was like he's like how can that be they don't think things are, are fatalistic or whatnot i said well they do and i gave him the quote of tim stratton here Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's the guy I'm debating. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim Stratton wants to say that God knows things in an unfalsifiable ways, yet things don't have to happen. <laughs> Even though God knows them in unfalsifiable ways. That, that's, Molinism is, <clears throat> you have something flashy in one hand, and then uh, your other hand is doing something. And then you could switch the hands out. Like, mm -hmm. look at this flashy thing, look at this flashy thing. If you hold all their definitions constant when looking at their system, that they, they rely on people's low attention span, not, not holistically thinking about their systems. So if free will is that the creatures have determining power over the actions, then these actions have truth makers, and it can't be eternal truth makers before these agents exist to make these, these calculations, these decisions. And so remember, standard Molinisms, God's not even timeless, so they don't even run there. William Lane Craig does not believe God is timeless. God just coincidentally knows all future truths in an unfalsifiable way that just happens to line up with the way that people actually choose. And so it's 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 non-serious theology. It's it's for people who they really want dignum dio theology. They really want free will. And they're just looking for something that sounds very technical that allows them to have it. But they'd also destroy White's own views of Ed's girlfriend logic, which would leave open theism <laughs> as the last man standing. It seems to me. So I don't think that that's what Dr. White wants to do. I don't think he wants to uh, destroy everything, leaving open uh, only the open theist. What do you think? No, I don't not, think omnipotent uh, means being able to break logical contradictions in two, right? Right. So they'll, they'll always no. All the systems that you encounter will qualify omnipotence, and so in Molinism, God can't commit deicide. He can't like kill himself and pop out of existence because God's necessary being. In Calvinism, the same is true. God can't make a future that he doesn't know the future of. Which is funny because, like, even in the insistence of omnipotence, there's always qualifications and like 
you got to be very clear what someone means and you don't necessarily know going into talking to someone what they mean by that everyone insists on, on the word but they all have different definitions yeah so it's, it's like a meaningless word it's like a catch-all it's like oh god could do everything that i think he could do yeah <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh people add in oh god can't we could sin we could do sins and they'll say oh god can't sin but doesn't violate his omnipotence <laughs> like okay that's something i could do. it's not like a logical contradiction so they'll They'll throw in the qualifier. Oh, he could do anything that doesn't contradict his nature. Okay, so I guess that's uh, a true for me. Carte blanche. <laughs> carte blanche. Uh, I'm omnipotent. So I can do everything that doesn't contradict my nature. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how these words work and function in yeah. reality. Theism in the past, and uh, that's definitely not uh, who he wants to be on the throne. Uh, yeah. he, he wants he wants to exhaustive divine determinism to be up there uh he thinks that's the biblical view and so he, he's definitely unwilling to consider any other option because he thinks that's what scripture delivers yeah yeah um so uh have you have you listened to his uh response to you yet about psalm 33 i have yeah uh just as soon as it dropped i had like you know uh avalanche of share uh, that one. Uh, messages in my I'm going to try something real quick. I'm going to see if I got that video to Tim Stratton if it's on my computer. Yeah, I got it. Okay. So I'll get that shared and then we could watch my video to Tim Stratton that he didn't want to debate me after he, he watched that video. My <laughs> inbox okay. saying, we'll hey, play this he responded right now. to you. So uh, I have listened to it a couple times and I'm currently in the process of writing notes um, to do a response. Um, one thing that came out of that is that, uh, what I've noticed, just one point, is that he apparently thinks that the creation of free creatures would mean that creatures are autonomous in the sense mm, that um, they would be ontologically independent of God in some way. And Well, I absolutely can defend dynamic. Okay, so I, I think this might be the video, so I'm going to hit play on it. Well, I absolutely can defend dynamic omniscience, but I'm not a true believer in dynamic omniscience. The Bible instead has a type of omniscience ascribed to Yahweh, which is required. He acquires through senses. He watches the world and sees. He tests people to know. I don't know if that was the full video or if I made a different one, but... Something like that was what I sent to Tim Stratton. Then he was not interested at all in uh, talking to me anymore. <laughs> Autonomy is an attribute of God alone, uh, like omnipotence or omniscience, then creatures can't have this autonomy. Um, but clearly we're not saying that creatures with free will are ontologically dependent. Um, no. Or uh, ontologically independent. Yeah. Um, what we're saying is that they can make decisions that are not causally determined, and but it still requires God. I think that was the actual one. I'll, I'll add that one. That was a different one. Yeah. In order for us to even. the first video. Yeah, it's the first video. Okay. Well, I can that defend dynamic omniscience. This is actual, but I wanted to say that I'm a true believer in dynamic omniscience. Instead, the Bible gives God a type of acquired omniscience in which uh, information flows through him, through senses, through intuition, things like that. So it's not this idea that, that oh you have goodness. in philosophy where God has God making properties. And one of them is 
omniscience or dynamic omniscience or or anything like that. Instead, God sometimes doesn't know what's going on. A case in point is in uh, the case of Sodom, where he goes down to see if the rumors which have come to him are true. And so God's not forced to know things. It's, it's not a God-making property. The Hebrews didn't think in those terms. And uh, that's what I would defend. Divine nations, we'll say. Or God is the all-knowing God, which is a fairly common descriptor of God. But it's a knowledge that is acquired, acquired omniscience. <laughs> I mean, it could be that it's just so radically different than anything he's ever dealt with. He doesn't know. How, he doesn't want to put himself in a position. Robert says, "Is that a TikTok video?" No, it's not a TikTok video. So I was added to this chat with Chris Featherstone because they were looking for an open theist for Tim Stratton to debate, someone to defend dynamic omniscience. I said, "Oh, I'm not going to defend dynamic. I could. I could do it." I, I could make the case for something that I don't personally ascribe to, but here's my my beliefs. And Tim Stratton, again, he he cares about systems. He wants a, a concise system of metaphysics. He wants God making properties. He wants um, dignum dio theology. What makes God God? What's the greatest good? How many hats does God wear? Is it four hats, or maybe it's five because it's an extra hat and it gives God a little bit more glory? So he wants dignum dio theology. Uh, so he can't deal with something that doesn't deal with those metaphysical systems because he's got nothing to argue about. And then he, he has to resort to arguing why his beliefs are intuitive or true. He wants to assume those things in the debate. He doesn't actually want to debate whether the authors of the Bible held his theology, his dignum dio theology, or my theology. That would be a losing debate on his side. Um, they absolutely did not hold to this dignum dio theology, trying to make God making properties and all, all these technical definitions of of uh, theological words. Oh, God's omnipotent in the way that he can't uh, uh, he can't violate logic and he has to follow his own nature, but can do all. Th yeah, they, they talk like that. Yeah, I have to wonder now. In the, he's got two hours of content. How often does he actually refer to examples in the Bible itself? Is, um, does he ever? Well, he might because William Lane Craig and James White hit on the the Joseph thing in within their debate. James White just quotes, "Oh, um, Joseph's brothers meant to do this for evil, and God meant it for good. Therefore, Calvinism is true." And William Lane Craig is like, <laughs> "William Lane Craig, like what? No, that means Molinism is true. That fits me. It, it describes our beliefs. Uh, so Molinism is true." It's like you're just quoting verses now. So they might refer. I haven't watched this. Is, yeah. um, But we'll hit play. Choices are constantly determined. Yeah, it's not so obvious. It's one issue. Um, so it's, how it's a long they're going to dwell on this part, which is like they're not even talking about anything that. Okay, we'll skip forward. We'll go yeah, to let's the skip forward 20 minute mark. They're not talking about anything even White thinks. They're just making things up about them. Well, it's easier to argue against people who aren't present and you could just make up any <laughs> beliefs you want for them. It, I, f I find that's easier. That is a lot easier. Determinism. And in this article, I show that if White is successful with his odd objection, then it will eventually blow up in his face and leave open theism as the only viable option. And I got to tell you, I know uh, several open theists who are actually rooting for James White right now in this whole back and forth because they actually see White's arguments as kind of a gateway drug for open theism. Um, so fortunately, uh, White's objection against Molinism is not sound. We'll oh, okay. I'm, I'm sure so they anyway, proved that. Let's get to this video. 
Okay, we got to something new. Finally. <laughs> it's a video. And Dr. White says, quote, Dr. there are White. some things that God can't know. Well, no. Okay, so he's quoting me there. There are some things that God can't know. And then he says, no, I'm not saying that. See, I've heard others try to get you to address this. And they experience the same frustration. And today, he's talking to me, on Twitter, you say, oh, so you agree with the open theist. And then James Wood says, no, 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 and no again, end quote. All right, so again, James White is showing that his expertise is not in the realm of analytic theology, which should be foundational to reform theology. When I was at Northwestern University, uh, the uh, same, same university, university that Dr. White, Dr. White is currently enrolled in, I believe, and it's a reformed university. I had to, <laughs> we've talked about this before, I had to get my reformed card and uh, show them that uh, my views were compatible with reformed theology. One of the things I loved about it was that Northwest University says that I like how an institution won't award you a degree unless you agree with them on everything. It's It's not about showing competence in a field or intellect it's about uh, groupthink that's what he just told us are we echoing echo uh we might be echoing did i turn the volume up a little bit i might have heard you did, theology yeah. uh, requires a constant uh, analysis of your own beliefs and this is exactly what analytic theology is all about but it seems to me that white's trapped himself in a corner and now according to his radical position He's got to either reject the necessity or yeah, the, the necessary omnipotence of God or the necessary omniscience of God or both. But so let's let's talk about that. So God has necessary omniscience. That means that God necessarily in all possible worlds unfalsifiably knows all future propositions. This is in Molinism. This is a Molinist belief. And uh, William Lane Craig describes all this in previous videos that I've showed. White talking about this and writing about this. That's what they believe. And so there's an unfalsifiable knowledge of the future, and it's a necessary knowledge of the future, but they claim all that knowledge is contingent. So we can't be necessary beings in their theology, and so we have to be contingent beings. And so God's necessary knowledge of all future of events has to be about contingent events. And how do they do this? Um, instead of saying um, that God actually chose between worlds to actualize like god thought about things and decided it all has to be a simultaneous event kind of like the the calvinist universal one-time decree that's eternal the mullahs have their their own decree and there can't be there, there's a logical priority that william lane craig writes that god has to god does things in a logical sequence but it's not a chronological sequence in which God chooses a world to actualize because God can't actually have contingent knowledge. He can't gain knowledge. He can't discursively think about which worlds to actualize and then choose between those worlds because then God's knowledge set is changing and omniscience, as they just stated, is a necessary trait. And so it, it, it doesn't logically compute that God can have contingent knowledge of futures and that knowledge is necessary and eternal with God. It's one of their sleights of hands that they do. And if you point it out, they'll just say, oh, it, it's not chronological, it's just logical. Well, how does that solve the problem? Yeah, so I don't, 
maybe maybe they don't have an explanation or maybe you can explain it a little better but in this situation that point in time where he chooses between all these different possibilities their argument is that it's all contingent until that point in time when he chooses that one no except for it's it's all eternal and so god can't it's all eternal yes yeah, so he there's not a point in time where god chooses which world to actualize it's like an eternal okay, then, choice then it would have to if there was a point in time then at one point it was contingent and it is no longer contingent right but if there wasn't a point in time then it can't be contingent because god's always always chosen right that. and they'll try to get around this by if you point that out they'll say Oh, it is contingent because there's a logical priority. What? what? <laughs> That's saying it's not contingent. Yeah. That because, and then the, the, the predicate of that sentence is it because it's not contingent. Yep. Um, I, 100%. 100%. It's, it's not a rational argument. It's just a way to, it's like an appeal to mystery that the Calvinists do on, uh, <clears throat> on how God who is necessary and has eternal divine decrees can choose between which world to create. The Calvinist runs into the same problem where the world has to be co-necessary with God mm -hmm. because God's a necessary being. His knowledge is necessary and his decisions are necessary and his de decisions are necessary. And so how is the world and us not co-necessary with God? We are equal to God in Calvinism and Molinism and they need, they need some sort of metric, some sort of way to it, and that must be the reason that they don't want to say that it was uh, that we are necessary because that then makes us equal to god right right that is 100 percent. and so james delezel in his book how he gets around it he appeals to mystery i don't know how god could create a contingent world being a necessary being with these necessary knowledges and the necessary decrees <laughs> it's an appeal to mystery I mean, and to just say oh not <laughs> it's a logical priority like if no. they if <laughs> They're not really reading the Bible to get their qualities anyway. You might as well just do just the hand up, waving. Make up whatever you want. You don't, you're not, no one's holding you. At least you're not feeling like you're held accountable to anything. Why not just hand wave whatever you say? You know, Tyson, as you and I have both pointed out, it seems that White affirms the, the odd and radical views of both truthmaker maximalism and universal possibilism. Not to mention Ed, the exhaustive divine determinism. These are all philosophical assumptions that are unbiblical, nowhere to be found in scripture. And White takes all of these and presses them onto scripture and reads scripture through these lenses of his philosophical assumptions, which are like, like does that guy look in the radical. mirror at all? <laughs> okay, so what a weird. Well, I, I think he does because William Lane Craig in the debate, he said, "Oh, um, Molinism is it's not." not taught in the bible it's a model with which we read the bible just like calvinism and james white said no no we read Cal calvinism is in the bible see here's my verse of uh joseph and his brothers and uh, uh oh, like, Craig's like yeah. no you're you're just using a lens just like me and white's like no i'm just reading the bible that happened in the debate that literally happened in the debate it was really funny uh, um and so the molinists seem to be a little bit more self-aware as long as they're following William Lane Craig, they seem to be a little bit more self-aware. Almost, I, mean, I think it's fair to say they're kind of crazy. So if White <laughs> continues to affirm but universal no, no, but he's, he's not saying he's crazy because he's using a framework. Wait, wait. You said that, that the reason he has a problem with this is because uh, he's just not aware of what he's doing, right? Which is, But it sounds like he's saying just the fact that he's he doesn't understand, like, just the fact 
that James White is using a framework rather than reading the Bible directly is what making him crazy. That's what he just said, right? Am, am I not misunderstanding this? So, so it's not what you're saying that he's self-aware. He's actually calling James White crazy for not using the Bible as the way to discover truth. Did he just? Did I misunderstand what he just said? I uh, well, <clears throat> let's hit play. I'm not sure. Well, then he must affirm that God does not exist necessarily. And after all, if God creates all truths, then God could create the truth that he does not exist necessarily, and that means that God does not exist necessarily. But if this is the case, then James White does not view God as a maximally great being, because that's really the foundation of maximal greatness is necessity. In fact, in, in a recent Twitter exchange... Well, yeah, stop that. James White, Th that is what we were just saying, then. <clears throat> necessity is what makes you maximally great. So we would be co-equal with God if we were necessary. Yeah, which is interesting, because my one question to William Lane Craig when I met him was, uh, do you th do you affirm the simplicity of God? And he said no. And so he doesn't believe that God is a simple being, which in classical Neoplatonism, if you're not a simple being, you can't be a necessary being because um, the idea is that you could degrade, you have parts that can change. And so those parts that make you up, if you're non-simple, those simpler parts, those are the true God. And so William Lane Craig has some idiosyncrasies on the idea of what it means to be a necessary being. So he believes God is a non-simple, changing, perhaps um, necessary being. He thinks God is changing? He believes God's in time. <clears throat> and so uh, he'll, he'll qualify things like saying that God's, the truth values that God knows are like, John will do this on December 25th, uh, 2021. And so those are those they're not necessarily tense to knowledge in God's mind, but God experiences reality. And so it, there's there's like a timeline that God is actually experiencing. And it's not a timeless timeline, but his truth values in his mind don't change based on what's happening at the moment. Yeah, apparently a maximally great being is a being that cannot think. Yes, discursive knowledge uh, time and time. It's really funny. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler Vela has this whole video where he's very mad at uh, uh, Warren McGrew, idol killer. He might still be on the stream. I don't know. Um, for for pointing out times in which idol killer confronts Tyler Vela saying, you don't think God can think. He doesn't have discursive knowledge. One thought doesn't lead to another. And Tyler Vela is like, yeah. And then he gives these qualifications why he thinks that's the best view. But then he gets mad at us for pointing out, you don't think God can think. If God thinks... Open theism is true because God's knowledge is changing. God is changing his data sets. God is not, God, God is considering things. He's thinking through things. This is not eternal, necessary knowledge within the Godhead. Simple beings do not think. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> and so uh, what Tyler Vela does and other Calvinists is they'll say, God's, the, the knowledge that God has is not a quantifiably different it's not a quantity difference between our knowledge. Like we have knowledge of things and God's knowledge is not, not a bigger data set. It's, it's, it's qualitatively different. It's this, it's this type of intuitive, simple knowledge that encompasses all things uh, intuitively, inherently. And it's, it's not, it can't be divided. The knowledge can't be divided into different uh, presuppositions or different 
propositions. It, it can't be because God is a simple being. His knowledge can't be parts. It is funny in a lot of ways, this concept of simplicity, because it's sort of, it's almost like this Buddhist oneness with the universe idea, but only applied to God. And the goal for Buddhists is to reach enlightenment, to become this one thing with all like indistinguishable. It's a very interesting concept in the sense that there, there's, there's something, maybe it's in the human condition to desire that utter oneness and, and essentially a kind of indistinct emptiness. It feels like oneness is like emptiness in the sense that it is just because there's no distinction, there's no meaning behind it, but yet people are just driven towards it for some reason. Yeah, so Ammonius Sactus, who was the teacher of Plotinus and of origin of Alexandria, uh, he did come from the Orient. So he came from like India and those places. So a lot of these themes that we're seeing, Platonism, it, it, it's got around the world. Um, it spread through Alexander the Great, it spread down even into uh, India, and it might be coming back or mixing and coming back through figures such as Ammonius Sactus uh, through their disciples, Origin of Alexandria, and also Plotinus. And so it's Neoplatonism, it's Indian mysticism, it's it, it's all these ideas that the God is the one. Just think about that concept. God is the one. He's the eternal, simple. Uh, he's he's above all things. He's in, ineffable. These the, they're very Oriental type beliefs, I would say. Oh, or Arian, if you want to go with the Plato, Arian beliefs. <laughs> Because that that's really funny. They'll make the black Hebrew Israelites real mad if you say that their theology is Aryan theology. So I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> he tweeted the following directly at me. He said, quote, let me read it here. Maximally great being philosophy may sound good to you, but the scriptures do not set up such. And oh, who's saying this? James White. So I want what I want the audience to see here is that Dr. James White is not committed to the highest view of God. I don't... He seems to be rejecting perfect... Um, uh, no, I oh think he's goodness. rejecting terminology. Yeah. I don't think he's rejecting perfect being theology. Theology. He's, it, it seems that White's personal and subjective and greatest desire of Ed is getting in the way of his... You know, is getting in the way of objective truth the objective truth of God's perfection. And, you know, I think that's a very dangerous place to be when we let our, our favorite subjective and greatest desires get in the way of objective truth. That's a dangerous place to be. Right? Oh, my goodness. I, it, I, 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 yes, I agree. When we let our subjective desires uh, define God, you know, what is perfect? Yeah. Um, yep. Oh, I, I feel you. I feel you, Tim Stratton. Uh, I get that in a quote. I'll, I'll emblazon Tim Stratton's head on it, <laughs> and uh, I'll put that on my wall. I Ten. mean, obviously, what he thinks is perfect is what's really perfect. Oh, yeah. Everything else is what you're just feeling. Is yeah, perfect. everyone else is just subjective opinions, not like my objective opinions about what God must be like for people. Like, like this Tyson guy literally <laughs> said in a previous <laughs> argument, I feel like that's not what makes him perfect, and so that's why he's wrong. I, I feel like God would do this in this situation <laughs> as a perfect God. So it can't be true on that basis. <laughs> oh, oh, so oh, funny. Oh, my goodness. That God's perfection is, in fact, implied by Scripture. 
at the least, scripture opens the door uh, to perfect being theology, and, and it highly suggests this. Okay, so he said, James White said perfect being theology is not in the Bible. Yes, one, one point for James White, that is true. Then he says, well, that's so wrong, and it's so bad of you to say that, James White. Uh, but at the very least, the scripture opens the door. What? So you're agreeing with him now? I, he didn't quote any scriptures to back up the maximally great being theology being a scriptural concept. And then he says, at the very least, it opens the door. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure there was a real disagreement you had with James White that existed somewhere. Possibility. In fact, Jesus sure seems to think that the heavenly father is perfect. Um, and the, the perfection of God is also... <laughs> Oh, this is, um, so James Dwezel, when he was doing his speech on his sermon on God's simplicity, he goes to the verse where it says that God's uh, knowledge or understanding is infinite. And he says, see, this means, uh, it means beyond everything. It's infinite. So God's an infinite being. So this, this word here validates my whole theology. So they're saying, Jesus says that God is perfect. Therefore, Jesus has in mind when he uses this word, my perfect being theology that <laughs> yeah. we just talked about. Rather than, you know, the, the Bible says Job was perfect. Yeah. Um, Zechariah was was righteous in all his ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's perfect people in the Bible that use yeah. the word perfect. Yeah. And um, nobody says, wait a minute, this is a necessary, Job is a necessary being? Did you see this word perfect <laughs> applied to Job? Oh, man. Think of the implication. Job is God. <laughs> Man, that we were reading Job completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is this weird thing where it's like, oh, if they use one of my special theology yeah. phrases that I've don't, co-opted. Don't try to understand what the Bible means by this and how it applies. Try to impose it's like, what you feel like. They use a word that I like, like for my the, theology. And that's what it means by opening the door. The Bible <laughs> opens the door for his it's perfect just, being theology. It can, perfect can mean anything for anyone. And so it could. the Bible literally affirms all theology. Productively <laughs> <laughs> concluded via the ontological argument. Be perfect. Uh, er, and supported by it. Uh, he says, uh, be perfect. <laughs> Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, Matthew, what the heck are you talking about? How do I become a necessary being? <laughs> That's what he means. Matthew. Become what? a necessary That's, being. It's a quote by Jesus. What the heck, Jesus? Am I... What is it? Does this mean I have to use introspection to ascend become, to the one and then re-merge with the universal <laughs> truth? <laughs> Jesus, why are... Why are you affirming Platonism? He's, he's affirming becoming God. It is like it reascends the one. It's yeah. using introspection to rejoin that yeah. from which you came. Oh Platonism. Jesus was teaching Platonism all along. <laughs> so look, we've got the Bible, which I would say heavily implies the maximal greatness and perfection of God. And then logical arguments. And so the Bible and logic, both, you know, two independent lines of, of uh, thought, each reaching at the same conclusion. The Bible I haven't heard much of either. Really good reasons <laughs> to affirm the maximal greatness of God. Now, make no mistake. Like Dr. White, I hold an extremely high view of Scripture. I mean, after all, <laughs> uh, the Bible is the inspired word of God. So I, I hold an extremely high view of the Bible, but I hold an even higher view of God. 
right? God is a maximally great being. And in fact, if one starts with the assumption... So you, you got right there his admission that his theology takes precedence over the Bible. He says more fundamental than the Bible is his perfect being theology. He's admitting right there. The Bible doesn't matter to him. He, he has this theology. That's why I sometimes ask these people, you know, um, the Bible literally doesn't teach anything you're, you're saying. You know, there are other religions out there. You can convert to Platonism. You could have everything that you're talking about now, and then you don't have that pesky Bible throwing bad data points in your face. You know, be a Platonist. Just just go and convert. I, please. <laughs> I, I would rather but, have you. But the reality is a lot of it has to do with status. He's obsessed with his reformed tradition and he wants to try to fit himself into the reformed tradition in some way but maintaining some sort of consistency through it and so that's why he's obsessed about talking about credentials that's why he likes talking about the universities that, that teach this and how to be conformant within it like it's a huge driving factor behind all this like he doesn't want to do it because of the status associated with it. i i don't disagree i think uh, he gains a lot from his current position i think it'd, it'd take a lot for him to accurately engage with other people if if it indeed if accurate engaging would threaten his current status he's, he's got his molness page he's got his molness books he's got his molness following and who is he trying to attract he's not trying to attract random philosophy students at a university he's trying to attract people who are have grown up in a certain christian tradition right that is like he would have to break free of his entire audience at that point yeah, I don't disagree. That God's word is perfect, inspired, inerrant, infallible, and trustworthy. Then one seems to be assuming that the one who inspired the <laughs> Play entire the clip from the white debate because he said he was going to and he never did, right? And after all, <laughs> I don't know if he Arenix is saying that to us or him. Think about this. If one rejects the idea that God's a maximally great being, then one inadvertently loses the assurance of the trustworthiness, uh, let alone inerrancy or infallibility, but you're going to lose the trustworthiness of this lesser beings, uh, this this weak deity's inspiration of the scripture. Look at these comments. Tim is using the force to manipulate Tyson to read the comments. D please don't make Star Wars references in the comments. Oh, <laughs> right? So, yeah, if you, if you lose, the, if you reject the concept of, of, the, of the perfection of God, then you're going to lose the trustworthiness of this deity's inspiration of the scriptures that people, including James White, are attempting to interpret correctly. And you're also going to lose some other important things, like the, the assurance of salvation. I mean, to put it bluntly, if a deity of deception inspired a book, who cares how the original Greek should be interpreted? I mean, that's a big problem. And indeed, I contend that the maximal greatness of God is a properly basic belief, which is not in need of further argumentation, even though we have further argumentation. <laughs> We've got it. I mean, here's what I mean by that. He says, I'm very convinced that my own beliefs are true, and I don't have to actually argue my beliefs. <laughs> Ask any old lady in the church. Okay. Uh, most of them will gladly tell you that the God they know is perfect in power, perfect in knowledge, and perfect in love. My grandma, for example, or my great-grandma, um, and my grandma too. They didn't. They didn't need the ontological yeah, the, argument. Yeah, but he, they don't mean perfect the same way you do, <laughs> right? I, I think 
this is actually a challenge that I might have to try. I need to strike up a conversation with an older lady to try to figure out. I think they're going to describe a God who listens to prayers, yes. considers the prayers, makes decisions in real time. And that's what makes them perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think the church leaders will, in fact, I, th I think, literally, I think that the default Christian is an open theist. Um, especially when dealing with the practical situations within the world. It's only when you get to, <laughs> it was really funny, I, when I was getting kicked out of uh uh, the Bible church that, uh, and they, they're like, why do you come to our sermons if you don't agree with our theology? And I said, well, your systems systematically go through the Bible verse by verse, which filters out most of your nonsense. And they were very happy with that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, one instance that happened at that church, which was hilarious, was um, they, they started like stalking me, like the pastor and his associates. And I had a blog post about um god's not omnipresent like he's not like the bible doesn't make the case that god's everywhere and so um it was in the middle of like a sermon on like luke or something and um they use like a slideshow like a powerpoint and they're going through the verses one by one and all of a sudden randomly in the middle of this sermon is is a, a powerpoint slide on omnipresence had absolutely nothing to do with the context that they were going through and it was just just a subtle because they were passive aggressive it was just a subtle dig at me to try to uh stealth convert me it had nothing to do with anything in the text and that's what they had to do because they have nothing they had nothing oh it's so funny but to to show them you know my grandma didn't need it to show her what she already knew by a direct acquaintance and a personal relationship with her maximally great god I mean, ultimately, this is a funny argument, just just at the substance of it, because if we're going to go around comparing what grandmas will say, <laughs> like, like what do you? Oh, I can find 30 grandmas that will say this. There you go. <laughs> it's the grandma equation. It's uh, we'll call it the Tim Stratton uh, formula or the Tim Stratton method. It's like, uh, <laughs> I guarantee you, you'll find more grandmas that disagree with Tim Stratton that agree. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll disagree in all kinds of different ways, too. We should ask them about race relations. <laughs> if one goes to Scripture and concludes that God is not omnipotent, not omniscient, not omnibenevolent, then one knows that he has misinterpreted Scripture. They can know that they misinterpreted the Greek. And let me show you this book. I read this a while ago, and it, it really had a big impact on me. A little, little book. Um, it's kind of an old book now. Um, but written by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy. And for anybody watching out there, highly encourage you to get a copy of this and read through it. It's great for small group discussions and things like that. Robert has it right. My maximally great dad can beat your dad. That, that's what these arguments come, come down to, literally. Just ask grandma. Um, but the knowledge of the holy. And really, I mean, look, atheists argue against the knowledge of God. Paul talks about destroying arguments raised against the knowledge of God, but it's also Christians who raise arguments against the knowledge of the holy. When, when they start arguing that God is not a maximally great being, that God is, uh, uh, they have the, they argue for these low views of God. I wonder who he thinks say. is Christian and so who he thinks isn't. This is a big deal. Tyson, you and I talk about Some people about are very so hardliners and they'll say, oh, because you disagree with me, you're not a Christian, but it does uh, maybe not him. I, I, well, maybe I, I would assume, this is my guess, that Tim Stratton's views of who's Christian and who's non-Christian depends on what will gain him the most respect within his core audience. <laughs> uh, helping people see 
uh, God for who he really is, for, for a perfect, maximally great being that should be loved, that should be worshipped, that you should be in awe of. And that's why I push back so much <clears throat> against these low views of God that are offered by others. So like, let's say God is, let's, let's, let's do this hypothetical. God is exactly who he states, but also God has like one flaw. Maybe he has a drinking problem. Now, now God's not worth worshiping anymore. He had one flaw. He was maximally great, but with one flaw, not worth worshiping at all. Not worth trusting. Nothing. That that's what kind of low stability theology that we encounter. It's like those people who say, "If God doesn't know everything in the future, how can we be assured of our own salvation?" And they're like all worried. How can we trust God? <laughs> like, do you trust anyone in your life? What kind of, yeah. what kind of loser mentality is this? What are you? Uh, yeah, it, it's are, like pure paranoia. Like, to do the most frightened person in the world who cannot deal. It's with neuroticism. That reality and is. Here's tough. the thing: I don't think Tim Stratton is inherently a neurotic person, but I think he understands that these uh, neurotic arguments appeals to. People. It, it gives them right. some sort of argument to give against the opposition. And so um, they're like sociopaths that will use these arguments without well, even caring about yeah, what it means. Because like, you know, this grandma analogy, like what you tend to see is that people in the churches tend to think that God is relational and, and responds to prayer and all these other things. But then if you push them on open theism questions about the implications of that, they'll immediately go to this for this very reason, that they're terrified that God may actually not be able to fulfill his promises if he wasn't. So that's what, what keeps them in this sort of double-mindedness. Yeah. Church ladies are neurotic. Sam writes, I only trust my pet rock because I know it can't change. <laughs> yeah, you put your trust in your pet rock, it'll never yeah. fail you. They're Christians. In fact, it's these low views of God that are offered by fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that make up... This is, this is the low thing. Views. Yeah, so um, Antifa... You know, Antifa, they're against the fascists because it's in the name. It says anti-fascist. They, they themselves cannot be the fascist. It's in the name. And so our view is the maximum great view, and your view is the low view. Uh, why would you accept the low view? Huh. What? <laughs> Apologetics necessary today. I think if we'd be teaching... I was trying to look to see if the guy is married. It looks like he is married. People to prove the truth about God and his perfection, we wouldn't need apologetics. Anyway, I, I've talked a lot. Tyson, you want to say anything? <laughs> no, um, I, I've seen it time and again. Uh, people who, you know, they've been indoctrinated into exhaustive divine determinism uh, in Calvinist churches their entire lives. Um, they get to a point where they they simply can't um, can't see that concept of God in scripture, because when they read scripture, you know, it says that he does not, uh, purpose or will that any should perish. It says that God is love. And that doesn't seem to square with a God who actually moves people's wills to sin, that, that he then holds people responsible for their moves being willed, that causally necessitated mm -hmm. by God's own power to do these things. And so uh, I've seen people uh, break fellowship from congregations because that's what they thought was being taught and they just couldn't affirm it anymore. So mm -hmm. it can shipwreck faith. And uh, I can't tell you how many people that, that I've talked to who say, 
you know, when they first encountered Molinism, they said, oh my goodness, this just makes sense. I mean, this mm-hmm. makes sense of the holiness of God, the love of God. Again, it's, 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 uh, you have something flashy in one hand, you have something flashy in the other, and you only show one at a time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in Molinism, everything is faded. Everything is just as God, God can't desire the whole world to be saved. Um, because everything is as faded and as necessary as God. It's there's no difference between that and Calvinism. And and so this is this actually illustrates the core purpose of Tim Stratton, then is to find people like that who are just dissatisfied with Calvinism. But he's he's saying you can keep most of Calvinism and just call it Molinism, and I'll show you the pathway to do that. Yeah, and you don't even you don't even um, get rid of this exhaustive decree of God, you're just shifting the blame. God chose the world to actualize, um, but the agents are to blame. Yeah. Whereas is Calvinism like God's also controlling the agent. Well, in Molinism, God's picking the world in which all agents actualize the thing that God ne- needed necessi- necessarily and fatalistically and unfalsifiably. There is there's literally no difference between the two. Um, so let's, let's say you build a robot and it's a killing robot and you program it to go kill a bunch of toddlers and then you hit the button for it to go. Yeah. That, that's the same thing as just controlling the robot to go kill those toddlers. There's, there's no practical difference, especially if you fatalistically know all future events and it plays out the exact same way in each scenario, the exact same way. Uh, Molinism is Calvinism. Yeah. He's just trying to cast a net on dissatisfied Calvinists. Trick them, and you're like, here's something flashy, and they're like, flashy, flashy's good because okay, it, okay, I'll stick with this. It makes me feel good. What? What's yes, this? Yes, yes. I I could actually affirm pieces of the Bible that were giving me uh, cognitive dissonance, dissonance, dissonance. Uh, the wrath of God and justice of God, as well as human responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it really, uh, really uh, answers David the problem. Writes, uh, of evil maximally great toddler killing almost robot. Gonna, I mean, all <laughs> yeah. the problems of evil that I've surveyed, I haven't found one yet where the Molinist can't uh, answer it adequately. I mean, the Molinist can answer it adequately um, and sufficiently. So it's just uh, amazing. It makes sense. Uh, I think it makes sense of the whole of Scripture, and it makes sense of of life in general. So, right. you know. Um, yeah, I spilled a fair amount of ink discussing uh, the omni attributes in in my book, the, the omni attributes of God, as I like to call them. The, you know, God's omniscience, omnipotence, and omnibenevolence. And I think so many of the other uh, attributes of of God uh, flow from those. I think God's uh, justice and wrath, for example, flow from His omnibenevolence and His omniscience. After all, it's it's wise and loving. Um, uh, when someone is brought to justice and things like that. But um, anyway, this included. So they're very system minded. They're like, see, my theology has this principle and this principle and this principle, which branches out to these principles. And so doesn't that look nice? Doesn't that look comforting? Doesn't my theology fit in this nice little bubble? It, God can't be like a person. So God can't be motivated by emotion. So God can't be like, angry and then exercise more more wrath than he would if he had a while to cool down because that doesn't fit this model uh, where God is God is a robot and God has to fit this model and fit this bubble 
and fit these presuppositions, everything has to flow from each other and work mathematically. It, it is an interesting concept when you think about it, because because if God is angry and does something or cools down and does something else, then what he's saying is that one of those two decisions was the correct decision and the only legitimate decision you should make, which isn't necessarily like you, you can't really say that about all of your experiences. There are plenty of decisions where whatever you wanted to do was okay. It's the correct decision. But what they want to say is that every decision has a very logical, obvious, maximally good decision that will always lead to the best results. So you must always make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. God God is just a facet of the universe in Molinism, yeah. in Calvinism. He's not a person. Only in open theism is God a person who thinks, reacts, has a, has a tool belt. Uh, filled with different things he can try. He could try various things when other things fail. He could interact with people. He could learn from people. He could gain from people. He has actual relationship with people. Only in open theism is this true, by definition, by definition, because the only the, the alternative, alternative to open theism is fatalism. I, ha determinism. I, I have to wonder if you could, ask, maybe you should ask them, could there be two different realities that are equally as good as each other? That would be a good question to put on the Molinist Facebook page, but uh, might be like my uh, incel Molinist being an incel. No one will want to talk to it. No one will, uh, <laughs> no one will engage with it. Much biblical data uh, that would support, you know, my grandma's a priori reflections, I guess, uh, that God is a maximally great being. Um, but let's, uh, so I've shared this argument. Sam says that he thinks that Tim has said before that if there's more than one equally maximal great option, then God has free will. God has free will to decide? That uh, sounds like contingency, but of course they don't care about adding contingency to God, who they think is a maximally great being, who's a necessary being, now with contingency. Argument before, I want to share it one more time. Let me get this here. Um so since God is a maximally great, but God being, can only choose between the those irresistible two grace essential options. to Calvinism right. uh, doesn't seem to be compatible with uh, God's perfection and maximal greatness. So consider the following argument. Uh, premise. One. So ironic talks about truth making system. I think we talked about that earlier that, um, yeah, if, if you want to claim that there are no truth makers to truths, you have to reject, reject libertarian free will. And so you have to assume away what you're trying to preserve with Molinism. Oh, no. This is a sad day. That's almost gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to assume away free will in order to say that there's no truth makers in these propositions. That God could somehow, that we are our own truth makers. We, we have libertarian free will to actualize. But also God eternally knows what we're going to actualize. And so their truth maker claim just violates what they believe about libertarian free will. So it could be the case that there's no truth makers to any truths within reality. Then an, <laughs> that has all sorts of weird implications that. Uh... One, if irresistible grace is true, then for any person X, if God desires to, has the power to, and knows how to cause X to go to heaven and not suffer eternally in hell, then X will go to heaven and not suffer eternally in hell. Two, if God is omnibenevolent, omnipotent, and omniscient, then for any person X, God desires to, has the power to, and knows how to cause X to go to heaven. They say, hey, look at this good formula that I built. It must apply to God. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that tends to be the, the general arguments about omnibenevolence is that they say, whatever I decide is the, the best, the most good, the most righteous thing has to be the case. Why isn't God doing this? Right? <laughs> right? That, that, anytime you talk about omnibenevolence and when, whatever objection people make or whatever point they're trying to make with it, it's all always them declaring that this is the maximal good. This is the most important good thing that someone should be doing at any given time. So they're decide they are essentially deciding what is right and wrong, declaring it, and then angry if, if God doesn't do it. Right? Yeah, it's like uh, a maximally great being, uh, one who's omnibenevolent, would never engage in a genocidal war under any circumstances. Okay, sure, I guess that's a claim. Yeah. <laughs> Suffer eternally in hell. Three. That is There's a claim. At least one person <laughs> who will not go to heaven. <laughs> Yeah, I, my kids have been doing this thing where it's like, Dad, I have an idea. And then they'll say something like, oh, we should go to the park tomorrow. I was like, yep, that is an idea. And so now they're now they're qualified things. They're like, I have an idea that we should do. <laughs> <laughs> and will suffer eternally in hell. Four, therefore, one cannot affirm both. One, that irresistible grace is true. And yeah, usually it's not something free like the park. Usually it's something like we should go get ice cream or we should all go to McDonald's. It's, it's always ice cream. Yeah, right? It's always it's always something involving money. So then I say, oh, yep, that is an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Two, that God is omnibenevolent, omnipotent, and omniscient, a maximally great being. Five, God is a maximally great being. Six, therefore, irresistible grace is false. And if that's the case, then five-point Calvinism is false. Now, to the Calvinists' credit, they want to affirm the sovereignty and perfect power of God. Amen to that. They're right to do so. And we ought not entertain a view that diminishes the biblical fact that God is sovereign over all things. He doesn't even want to debate with you on that basis. Right? Uh, he doesn't, yeah, it's like, I got all these formulas. And, and, any, anyone who argues, anyone who denies that basic thing is not worth talking to. <laughs> yeah, if they deny my formulas, uh-oh, no, no, I have nothing to argue. I, yeah. Yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I can't substantiate why my formulas are necessary or needed mm -hmm. or a thing that actually exists. It depersonifies God, though. It's it like in the Bible, God is like a person. God is a person. You could talk to him. You could convince him of things. You could interact with him. You could, you 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 could have conversations. There's intellectual backs and forth with God within the Bible, um, but you can't have that with this maximally great being theology. That he can't gain from outside himself is one of the tenets of maximally great being theology. It's funny all things. The Molinist agrees with that, but trying to explain this by way of causal determinism or ed is not the way, right? As the syllogism I just referenced deductively concludes. Instead, make God maximally great again. A, a being who is all-powerful uh, must possess middle knowledge. We've talked about this a couple times. Let me say it again. I, I say that knowledge is power, and what I mean by that is that it seems that a this is a really good argument. Um, my views are true by definition. <laughs> being who possessed the power to predestine and guarantee outco outcomes of libertarian free creatures is greater and more powerful and far more impressive than a being who simply has to causally determine all things just to get what he wants. Thus, since God is a maximally great, 
so yeah, Sam says, why can't we just read the Bible instead of making up a bunch of syllogisms? That's that's why I point out to these guys. It's like, you know, um, it, it could be the case that everything they're saying is true, that all their metaphysics are accurate and they depict the state of the world. Um, they're actual metaphysical truths. But guess what? They they don't interact with the Bible. The Bible didn't have these in mind. The Bible is very contrary to these ideas. And so you have to reject the Bible. If your views of metaphysics are true, the Bible is false. They're mutually exclusive. You have to do something like uh, Augustine. Like where he, The Bible opens the door for this. <laughs> where it's like, well, you just got to read all these passages in these super spiritual ways. Yeah. And none of the words mean anything they say. Uh, the Bible has no meaning if you want to affirm the Bible and these metaphysics. And so that, that's why it's actually a really potent argument. They get real mad at me if I say, yeah, you can believe all those things. They're fine. Great. I'm not going to debate those things. But the Bible doesn't teach those things. And they get all mad. They're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, could be this, it could be the case that the world is fatal, fatalistic. Like, like, it's just so transparent at this point. Who his audience is? He, he's, he's not trying to talk to you and me. And he's really not trying to talk to the grandmas reference before he's trying to talk to people who went through the reformed school and is trying to put put their head together around all these syllogisms and he's trying to pick up the william lang craig audience he's trying to build this niche <coughs> career for himself sure co-tailing off of william lang craig that's true and then uh william craig is like about to die he's like super old and like right. he's like decrepit with like arthritis and so he's gonna kick the bucket anymore any day now and i think uh tim stratton is going to try to fill his shoes being and humans possess libertarian freedom i don't remember william lane craig wearing a darth vader sweatshirt christmas sweatshirt. Well, that's how you attract the kids <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no attracted the kids and god can predestine and guarantee the outcomes of non-causally determined circumstances molinism follows it seems to be the only way to make sense of all these things only a being with middle knowledge could perform such an otherwise impossible task. What do you think, Tyson? Yeah, uh, I think you nailed it. Um, and actually, you nailed I was it. thinking about it earlier, this, this argument uh, touches on one of the applications of middle knowledge. So if universal causal determinism is true, uh, then it's not really true that God doesn't purpose for anyone to perish, like 2 Peter 3.9 says, right? Um, in Molinism, God unfalsifiably chose all future events. So uh, how is that any different than the Calvinism yeah, that they're critiquing? Yeah, they're, they're literally saying that there is no perfect world where everyone can win. Well, yeah, they, they, they do affirm that, is, that. That is a very interesting idea in itself, right? Right. It's, it's, it's the same idea as a Molinist incel who's an incel in all possible worlds. <laughs> <laughs> there are just some worlds that can't be actualized. Yeah. And so I, I guess they would affirm then, if that is the case, that God does not always get what God wants, which would be a very interesting thing for them to affirm. So they, they might actually affirm that. Um, God uh, wants everyone to be saved. Yes. But then there's no possible world where that can be true. And God doesn't always get what God wants. Yeah. Well, Calvinists will not say that. They will not. So maybe there's, there's a defining feature between Molinism and Calvinism that God doesn't always get what God wants. And if that were the case, then no one would perish, right? If it were actually the case that God didn't want anyone to perish, then no one would perish, right? right. If determinism were true. 
But of and course, also, you do perish. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Also, First Timothy two four, uh, God desires everyone to be saved, to know the right. truth and be saved. Right. 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 Um, but of course, some do perish, and so past. Yeah, there's an old saying that you could convince any anyone that the Bible makes any case or any point, except for people who actually know the Bible. You can't convince them that the Bible makes any point or any case. So Renick says that <laughs> I asked him how he avoids the necessity of the of this world on maximal being on maximal being theology. His response is that God would only create from top shelf. He'd create only from the top shelf world, so therefore this world is not maximally, it's not necessary. It doesn't make sense. That's not an argument. If there's a Molinist who's actually interacting with someone who understands Molinism, um, then then they have to resort to things like this. It, that doesn't answer the problem of how yeah. God's unfalsifiable necessary knowledge that this of is, all future events that does not make this world necessary this is the best of all of all possibilities because even though there's like three or four best possibilities they're still not like they're not consistent with what the god's declared desires are. right is there contingency in god's knowledge or not if there's contingency in god's knowledge then their definition of, of omniscience is false um if it is true that there is no contingency in God's knowledge and everything is faded number one and number two that uh yeah God is determining all of this in the same sense as Calvinism God's responsible which describe God's universal purpose God hates ramen noodles <laughs> God hates ramen noodles <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we're, we're all necessary in Calvinism and Molinism I'm going to make this claim again this is not what they teach but this is the implications of both their teaching we are co-necessary with God by their definition of what necessary means have to be interpreted in a way other than teaching divine universal divine causal determinism or mm -hmm. irresistible grace. Um, but these same passages are super easy to explain if man has free will. I mean, I would say it's the more natural reading, right? Yes. Cause God doesn't purpose yes. for anyone. To yeah, it's and a more natural reading, but it doesn't, it, it's a, and he's explaining it by really not tying it to Molinism, by, by, the two different hands, right? Yeah, so a bunch of, I think what they're saying is there's a bunch of passages in the Bible that make a lot more sense if free will is a thing. Yeah. Yes, but in Molinism, that people don't have free will. Yeah. I think we've established that because they said there's no truth makers in Molinism. Um, but their free rejection of that grace condemns them. And so mm -hmm. uh, if they would have accepted that grace, then God would have saved them. Um, oh, but of man. course, you know, White will claim that there's some yeah, forty opportunity to choose. Does he ever actually show a clip of James White? He I says don't know. he would. They, they, like, he, uh, they keep talking. They keep. It's talking. just um, wait, wait. There was there's a couple of times it flashes, right? Yeah, but that's when he's just moving his head, eh? Uh, or he has oh, got those, his, those his are their hand. hands. Their hand goes in front of their face, and so it makes a flashing. Uh, they so they show never no show a clip. They no, no this, clip. This whole thing is them just talking. To exercise an ability to choose between a range of options, at least two, both of which are compatible with the agent's image of God nature. Now, look, White likes to say that if humans have libertarian freedom, that we're we're gods. No, we're like God. We are created in God's likeness. So it is libertarian freedom is a supernatural ability. I believe that's my view. You know, not everybody's going to agree with that, but I do think it's a gift from God. And it is because we are 
in the image of God and the likeness of God, the, the souls. And I think it's the, the immaterial soul um, that is in the image of God. And that's why we've got this libertarian freedom, because an immaterial, supernatural soul would not be something that's causally determined by the by physics and chemistry. And so you can really. So imagine you're like uh, you're an ancient uh, Hebrew scholar studying the Israelites and you're reading their ancient texts like uh, Genesis. You're like reading it and then you're like, oh, there's something called a soul and the soul was made in God's image. It wasn't it wasn't Adam. It wasn't his body. Like would any would any archaeologists or anthropologists come to that conclusion reading the Bible? That's the soul that's in God's image rather than Adam as a person. I don't think so. This is all these um, post-BC views being uh, back-read into the Bible. I think that's what's going on here. Well, yeah, it's their desire to strip away any sort of image of God whatsoever. And so then, but they still have to deal with this passage that we're in some way similar to. So then you got to hand wave your way into it. And it becomes very, very ambiguous what they possibly mean. Yeah, they have to they have to peel the weird things like oh the Calvinist everyone means something know. different. Right? Yeah, the Calvinist doesn't freaking know. Um, I asked the Calvinist once. I said, "Oh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father." I said, "What do you mean here? In what way has if you see Jesus, you see the Father? What is he communicating? What, what does that mean?" And the Calvinist is like, "I don't know," <laughs> <laughs> because he can't see the Father because the Father is eternally simple, immutable, outside of time, ineffable. He's got all these properties, it's simple, no predicates, anything like that. So in what way is seeing the Father as seeing Jesus? It doesn't make any sense. But um, they, 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 have to, they have to do this uh, Augustine thing where Jesus is just like an avatar body that's inhabited by a simple trinity who uh, in some way represents God in the material realm, which we escape to the soul realm. It doesn't make any sense, but he's got his theology. He's got his metaphysics. Be a free thinker um, if this biblical view of the soul is true. Anyway, let's think about this. God, sans creation, is omnipotent. If that's true, then God has the power to create a libertarian agent, even if he never does, right? So it doesn't mean that we have libertarian freedom. It just means that he's got the power to do it, even if he never does. Now, in that same state of affairs, if God, sans creation, is also omniscient, necessarily omniscient, then God has the knowledge of how the free creature within his power to create would freely choose if he were to create the agent and even if he never does. And by Words have no meaning. Yeah. What does it mean? It means to, whatever he wants. Yeah. What does it mean for a free agent to exist? And what does it mean for a free agent to actually choose? Yeah. If this is something that can be known before that free agent exists to make that uh, determination, how do you call it a free agent? How do you call it? It's if it's known for unfalsifiable certainty. Yeah, I, I understand that if I walked up right upstairs right now and, and offered my girls candy, they would say yes, yes. But you know, sometimes they might be like asleep or something, or they might be really full that day, or or they might to be sick or something like that. And they, so it might not always come true. There, there might be falsifiable situations, although that I, I can know it accurately and truthfully that they are going to accept the candy. I don't know it in an unfalsifiable way. But they think God can know free action 
free actions of individuals in unfalsifiable ways, and yet those people have free will to make those actions. It doesn't add up. Yeah, like, the problem that he's doing is he's, de he's declaring these attributes and then saying one thing must necessarily come from the other, but because he's somewhat um, loose or undetermined with his own definitions of these very attributes, it's not obvious like where, why you would come to that conclusion versus another. You almost need to, to understand exactly what he means by those definitions to realize why, what he's trying to say. Yeah, so they, they never define what they mean in the moment. They'll just make claims. And then, again, it's the, it's the hand trick. We show you something shiny over here, yeah. or we smuggle something over here. And on one hand, on. omniscience. On one hand, mm -hmm. um, omnipotence. What does it mean that someone is a free agent, or makes free decisions, yeah. or has free will? Stephen writes that James White is a man, but dresses like an old lady. He might identify as a 65-year-old woman, but is closeted still. So I wonder if um, Tim Stratton right. here... He asked James White about uh, God's perfect being theology, being as Tim Stratton asks a bunch of old ladies about if God's a perfect being. I, I really have to wonder if James White thinks he's impersonating the professorial look, and that he's trying to feel like he's a uh, more of an intellectual because of his clothing. Oh, maybe that's it. Like um, a lot of professors like dress eccentric, or like yeah. they have like a pipe, they have like their thing, it's right. like their their icon. And James White is like, wow, I'm. I'll put on this man necklace and then I'll put on this uh, turtleneck and then I'll put on this like weird pattern tablecloth, whatever sweater. Yeah. I'm a professor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what they mean by fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. By definition, this is middle knowledge. Look, I mean, uh, necessity Tell me what you think about this, Tyson. Necessity is prior to contingency. Like, so if we're going to think about this in God's state of affairs, sans creation, everything that's necessarily true is logically prior to anything that's contingent. And divine power, uh, divine perfect power and divine perfect knowledge are necessary. Uh, God possesses these things necessarily. He's right. necessarily perfect in power and necessarily perfect in knowledge. The divine. So, yeah, how does a necessary knowledge work with a contingent knowledge? God's knowledge is necessary, but he knows things which are contingent. Again, one of my claims is your knowledge of something is as contingent or less than the thing itself. And so there might be a red car that exists. I may know about that red car. I may not. And so. Uh, my knowledge is more contingent than the object of my knowledge. And, but they're, they're reversing this, that the object, that God's knowledge is unfalsifiable, but the object of that knowledge could be, or it doesn't have to be, or, or might be in the state, could be something so, different. Well, let's just be clear. You mean more likely to be contingent or more contingent? Because I don't think more they, contingent. they don't think that the, I would guess they would say more contingent is a nonsense phrase more contingent and so um if something has to exist let's say that red car is a necessary car it exists in all possible worlds i still may or may not know about it my knowledge that that red car exists it can't be necessary and that that car uh doesn't have to exist in possible worlds right because then my knowledge has to be 
of this car as a contingent in multiple possible worlds rather than this car as a necessary thing. So they're saying God has necessary knowledge. This, this is knowledge that must happen of contingent things, things that might not happen. But, but it seems like what you're saying is more likely be contingent, right? Because the car could or could not be contingent, right? Right. So the, the but, car might be but, necessary. But the car isn't the like car... more contingent. This is slightly more contingent than the other thing. I well, don't I know if that the the flow of, of uh contingencies like, is necessary right. one, to one one less, thing is going to be contingent probable, because the other thing is probable. contingent because the other thing is contingent because the other thing is contingent. Right. Right. But the, I don't know if that like is that what what's meant by more contingent? Is so let's that... say there's a dice roll and you got six possibilities from the dice roll. My not if, if that's a true dice roll and chances are one in six of it being a six, my knowledge can't be unfalsifiable of it being a six if it's really contingent or if it's a one in six chance. No, I, so I my knowledge has to be. I understand what you're saying that one depends upon the other. It's just a question of like. I think by these philo philosophical definitions, it's either contingent or it isn't. Right? It's a binary. Right, but uh, then you run into possibilities. And so like a 20-sided dice, I'd say, is more contingent than a six-sided dice for rolling a one. And so, yeah, you go from necessary to less probable, more probable, most probable, something like right. that. I don't Some know if contingent of... and probable are the same thing. <laughs> well, the more you add contingencies, the more probabilities you add. Okay, so, so you do mean more contingent in terms of probability. After the necessity stage. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so my knowledge of the outcome of a 20-sided dice can't be more probable than the actual dice roll. Because then the dice roll is not... You, you, can't, you can't reverse it like that. You can, in fact, have me ignorant of the dice roll and have a 1 in 20 chance of the dice roll and me having a 1 in 100 chance of knowing what the, the truth value is going to be. But it doesn't reverse, and so they're they're reversing our logical. But, understanding but the reversal that. only applies to God in their case, right? Yeah. So because, God, because it's almost like they're saying God's knowledge of something makes it necessary, makes it into no. They, they they don't claim anything is necessary. Everything is still contingent except for God, because God can be the only necessary God, mean. And God's knowledge is not contingent. And God's knowledge is not contingent, but His knowledge because, is of contingent things because His knowledge. Is, creates the thing itself no his knowledge is independent of the things but he chooses what thing it is he knows it will exist and then he chooses it and so therefore he chooses pathways to get things to exist and so it it's not a logical system it doesn't mm -hmm. add up god's knowledge of something right. can only be as contingent because, as because, a thing because those less. things are not contingent if, the, if he never chooses them and then cannot choose them. Because if something's known for unfalsifiable certainty, it's not contingent. Right. Right. <laughs> known to, to always occur in that way. Yeah. All right. We're at uh, 140, right. and John's girlfriend is giving us the evil eye. Uh, uh, the <laughs> evil eye. Indian. <laughs> she's Indian, she says. I don't believe her. I just think she's got a really dark man. All right, we're going to end there. Any questions or comments, put that down below or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook group. Thank you for listening.